0: Welcome to the Tribe Agile Podcast, a forum for agile enthusiasts and freelancers. I'm your host, D-Ray Freeman, Managing Director of Tribe and Project Lead with Adaptivate here in Los Angeles, California. No matter where you are in the world, the agile market is booming. Not only are there lots of great jobs available, but there's a world of opportunities for people who want to stay independent. Our goal is to introduce you to the people who are making Agile work for them, to grow small businesses, or to launch their own Agile coaching and training companies. Want to learn how to make Agile work for you? Then stick with us for today's episode of the Tribe Agile Podcast. Today, hey, I talk with Terry Christian. Now, she's the founder of Powers Digital Solutions. With more than 20 years' experience, Terry brings a dynamic passion for helping people work together to develop learning places over workplaces. With clients across the US and Australia, Terry has served organizations large and small. She's even developed a digital operational model. Which is also the title of her recently released book, Digital Operations. Now, I've known Terry for more than five years. She's a wonderful human being and exemplifies what it means to be an independent consultant. So, Terry, thank you for being here today.
1: Thanks, Ray. Thanks for having
0: me. Awesome. You know, well, first things first, you know, with the, the pandemic that has impacted us all, we've all had to change the way we work. How have you adjusted your work and life to, to deal with, with COVID and just the new challenges that it's presented to us?
1: Um, you know, right at the beginning, it took a while to get used to talking through a monitor and, and not being one-on-one with people and face-to-face. And I, I think I let myself get too overworked and I focus so much on I'm working from home. Oh my goodness, I got to make sure that I'm busy every minute of every day And now what I've done is I actually do a lot more self-care. I break my day up. I make sure that I'm going for walks. I make sure that I'm taking care of myself. And um, I was talking to my son about this and I said, at the beginning, I was dealing a lot with depression and anxiety because, you know, I would let things at work really seem to fester where they didn't fester previously. And my son said, that's because you don't have anybody to talk to. You can't go around the corner and talk to a coworker and feel better. So I decided that I needed to just take time away and for my own mental health and just make sure that I went on walks that I listened to something that would invigorate my brain and and then I'd be ready to hit it again. The thing that the pandemic taught me is to take care of Terry.
0: Yes, I think you're right. People have a new perspective on life, having that that opportunity to be introspective and um, really look inward to see what we needed. That's a very good observation. Have you developed some you know, I guess some routines or things that you do on a daily basis that, that you know, help you sustain in, in this new working environment.
1: Well, so I make sure and schedule time to walk. That's super important. And I do not work in bed. I yeah. I get up in the morning and get dressed and go to a different room to do my work. Um, that's just a golden rule. You have to make a routine. You have to get up and show up. So that's like the biggest thing. The other thing is though, like during breaks, I can do laundry, I can order groceries. And I've found that because of that flexibility, sometimes I do work a 10-hour day, but in that day I've incorporated my own my own self-care and some chores so that my weekends are very free now. It's like a great trade-off. So do I miss p- people and being at work? I really do. But I don't know if I ever really want to work five days in office again either. <laughs>
0: You know, that, that's a good point. You know, people always look okay, at my schedule. and say, well, Ray, you're working 12, 14 hours in a, a, a day. But that day does include some personal things that I'm able to knock out during that time frame. And, and you're right. I didn't think about it from that perspective. It can make your weekend a lot easier. Yeah. You have got the groceries. You have, you know, taken care of the dog or, or ran to the doctor.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You're right. You can use that day more effectively when you have uh, control over it.
1: Yeah. It fits more to your own schedule and your own needs. So, yeah. And I've never been good at self-care. I, I've always not, I guess I think that might be a coaching quality, but um, I'm, I'm happy that I'm learning to use some new things to take better care of myself.
0: Yes. We, we take care of others. That's kind of what we do. But we do. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so we're, we're in this agile market together and, you know, this is how we met in, you know, just working in, in Agile. I've been doing this type of transformation for 20 plus years as well. Um, got into Agile probably in 04. Um, how did you first get into Agile? What was your introduction to the world of, of Agile?
1: Well, it's kind of funny. Um, so I actually was able to retire the first time because I was too young, um, when I was 39 after Y2K. So I had my own company during Y2K and I did I did well, and I was I thought, I don't have to work anymore. Um, I learned after six years that I had a lifestyle that made me need to work <laughs> so I, I did have six years off of semi-retired and did some really cool other things, but I came back and I went from being the product project manager of an eighteen million dollars project to not being able to get a job because I've been gone six years. So I had to get a job as a technical writer, so. The mighty had fallen, and <laughs> so, which was fine. Um, and what happened was in that position, they, they said, we want you to go to a training course. And they said, now you are a product owner. And I'm like, right, whatever. Like, you know, I was totally unimpressed that so they were sending me to a course. I thought I already knew everything there was to know about software development after years of being in the industry. But this agile thing was something I had never seen before. So it kind of took traction while I was, doing my semi-retirement and I I just drank the Kool-Aid really hard. I was, I was so burnt out on, on working in the industry. And then when they said you can work and care about people um, you can be honest and transparent. um, You know, I was just down with that. I was, that that resonates so much with me. We spend our time at work. We're human beings and we need to care for each other as well. So I felt like the agile values, just were what I
0: was looking for in work. Very cool, very cool. It, it's infectious, we, we gravitate towards it. Everyone has a different story of how they discovered Agile and got into it. But it is something that you, you find that, that's me. Like that describes me. You <laughs> wanna do more of it, that's, that's really interesting. Now you chose a, a career path. And you know, decided to make this um, you know part of how you I guess came back after that six years of, of being off. What was difficult about going into this career path versus you know other choices that you could have could have chosen? What what made this path you know something that was challenging that that made you want to choose it?
1: Well, um, that's a good question. So I. I went to the class. I'm still friends with the instructor and about half the students that were in that class. That was my introduction to Agile. I loved the concepts, the values the principles, and then went on a journey to try to find the places where they were using it the way I learned it. And that was a challenge because I was kind of like, well, wait a minute, we're supposed to be transparent. Wait a minute, we're supposed to be allowed to fail. Individuals and interactions over processes and tools, but yet everybody's learning processes and tools and they're not They're not talking about, you know, how to work together as human beings. So as I am, I'm a fixer. So the path chose me. I'm a better person today than I would have been if I wouldn't have found about Agile and started working in that way. Awesome.
0: Beautifully said. You know, our audience are, are mostly people who either work independently or want to work independently because there's something attractive about it. Now, with the skill set that you have, with the um, you know the different experiences that you have, you know you could work in different places. You can go get a job somewhere and work for that company. But why freelance? What is it about being independent that that resonates with you and made you choose an independent career path? over just going to one of the big five consulting firms or some agile transformation company and just working for them as an employee?
1: Thanks for asking that. The thing I tell my clients is my job is 100% focused on them being successful. I'm not climbing a ladder. I'm not playing politics. I'm not in a silo. I'm actually looking at the best for the organization and I feel like if I was embedded in an organization, I would be bogged down and would not be able to focus on the best outcomes for the organization. So my, my leader that I'm working with right now, you know, I, I explained to her, I'm not bogged down with the politics side of it. I'm here purely looking across the organization and looking at how I can improve. And as an outsider who has experience all over the world I can bring that information where an insider, um, after a while, people, you become part of the furniture. So I can bring fresh new ideas and help people look at things in a way they hadn't looked at them before because I'm not embedded in their culture.
0: Good point, good point. You know, there's some reward to what we do, not just financial, of course, but there's some other reward. Um, I always say it's like when a team wins, the the coach has the same sense of gratification that the team members had. You know that the coach feels like he or she has crossed the finish line or scored the goal just the same. Um, what's the most rewarding part to you about what you do? What's what's rewarding to you?
1: So I've been talking about this with some other coaches, and I have to say what we've come to is. When I'm breathing my last breath, I'm not going to think about whether I made a company $5 million more a year by savings and reducing waste. I'm going to think about the people that I worked with and the lives that I helped change. And I can tell you that I'm in the business of changing people's lives. Um, Maybe the company doesn't always um, adopt all the things that I suggest. But every time I'm working, I'm investing in people and I could take up hours telling you the stories of how I've been part of changing people's lives that changed their families' lives, that changed their, their lives of their children. Like that that change, that impact lives long beyond my time on Earth. So oh,
0: beautiful, beautifully said. Feel the same way. To a lot of people who are um, just getting into this business, you know, new MBA grads, you know, people who are just starting out, and some of the questions are, are, are like, "Why do you do this? You know, what do you get out of this?" Mm-hmm. And um, I have the same story. It's not just about you know regurgitating more and more Agile or more and more Scrum or anything like that. It's more about the outcomes that happen for the people that you end up working with. I have long lasting friendships for you know people that I've worked with ten years ago that we still stay in contact because of that connection that we made during that time. And now that I've been in it for a while and you, you know you and I have been in this this business for a while, it's a time where we can look back and see if if I were to give myself advice ten years ago, what would I tell myself that would have changed today? So when I think about that question, I want to pose that to you. Like if you could give yourself advice, if you could talk to Terry Christian 10 years ago, what advice would you give her to make change for today and based on today's world that you're aware of now?
1: Follow your passion. Do what makes you happy. Do what is important to you. I believe I probably would not have suffered so much of that if I would have known that in the end of the day, you actually do know how to do this. You do, because it's what you're passionate about. You're passionate about helping people. Definitely.
0: You know, working independently does create some challenges, and it also creates some great opportunities. Myself, I've worked as an independent for more than a decade, and I've also had long stints with major corporations. You've done the same. What are some things that you like most about being independent and the things that you like least about being an independent.
1: The Things I like most about it are what I said earlier about I'm a fresh voice. I've seen a lot of things and I can bring a lot of value and share experiences with people in the organization. Um, and I like that I'm I'm free from a lot of the things that would slow down change. There's a couple challenges. One, you're really not part of the team. Like, and a lot of organizations, they're like, "Well, you're not really one of us," you know. And there's always a little gap there. And given with the COVID situation, I've purposely now tried to get myself to do some social things so that I'm part of some team because I'm not, you know, I'm I'm there, but I'm not necessarily part of the team 100. Um, percent. So that's one thing. And then just security, just knowing, like, I'm going to have a job, I'm going to have income. It's hard for me. Like, I live a very minimalistic lifestyle part of that's because of the freelancings taught me that like I try not to get myself in long term debt and make sure that I'm secure no matter what but that's that's taken a, lot, a long time for me to get to that was definitely something that's it, it can be challenging it, and and I didn't want to get in a position where that challenge influenced how I coach people because I wanted to keep a job so I'm usually the first one to say I've done all I can do here. It's time for me to go. I got to go find some new adventures. So that's what I like.
0: (laughs) Well, there's a term that people say is a coach should work themselves out of a job.
1: Absolutely. Yep. And, and too, like you can only, you can only provoke so much change you know, people can only take so much. So when you've hit that barrier, sometimes you need to go away, let them figure it out and settle into it and then come back. I think that's another thing I wish I would have known 10 years ago is, yeah, so you're not gonna go in there and just go top to bottom, change the world in, in one go. Sometimes people need a little bit of time. Good
0: point, good point. You no, know, we work on things that may be really, really big publicly, but as you mentioned, we're not part of the company. We're not part of the public awareness of what's going on behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Are there any initiatives or things that you worked on in the past? Anything that you worked on that has produced something that you're really proud of?
1: Yes, I haven't topped this one. So I was working for the number one Fortune one company in the world who needed to create a talent pipeline. And they asked if I could develop a 16-week course, eight hours a day, five days a week, to take people with no technology background and help them become Scrum Master, product owner, those sorts of roles. And I I did do that. I I developed the course. I was a trainer for the first group, which was about 25 people, Um, people that that didn't have access they had barriers to access to technology jobs, single mothers, veterans, and um, it changed their lives like forever. We did two cohorts. The first was 25. The second was 50. So 75 lives have been changed because I was able to develop something and they performed better than the, the people that were in those positions, which was another story. But they're still with that company. The majority stayed there. They're growing their families. Um, one, of them, one of the people that I worked with said, you've given my children an opportunity they never would have had. So, I mean, just so humbling and so rewarding to, to know that at, at the very least, I helped those families. So, Yeah. I'm really passionate on that. If I could do that 24-7, I'd be doing that. That's, that's what I want to do.
0: That's, that's amazing. That, that makes it all worth it. Yeah. It it worth it. When you have a tough day, you think back on things like that, that makes it all worth it. Right? It's really yeah. good. Thanks for sharing that. Let's switch gears a little bit. Now, you have also produced a new book, which... I'm proud to have a copy of right in front of me right
1: here.
0: (laughs) So in your new book and digital operations, first of all, what inspired you to write this book in the first place?
1: Well, the truth of it is the thing with agile is yes, individuals and interactions over processes and tools. What I found is most organizations are very oppressive. So, you know, the hierarchy, you can't talk to a certain person because you're not in that level um, back in the day, bosses had offices. Even the space was very prohibitive of inclusion. And so, what I recognize is agile requires an inclusive environment. And so, what I started to think about: well, why why isn't the environment inclusive? What what do we need to change? And what I realized is the operating model is not inclusive. And the reason why is if if you look up Taylor's scientific management, um, he came out with. People are basically animals. They work on an assembly line. Give them a list of things to do. They'll do them and push it down the line. And that worked great for production lines. Although Toyota proved that people are not animals and that we can improve things. <laughs> but that was the thinking, right? But you know that thinking has unfortunately bled over into a digital economy. So the table stakes have changed. Leaders used to go up from the assembly line up through the ranks to become leaders. Now leaders lead people, but they don't know what those people do Mm -hmm. because it's all digital. It's it's a digital economy, but our operations, our operating model has not changed to a digital operating model. So those people on the ground doing the work are closest to the work, understand the work, and we need to hear them. (laughs) They need an environment that's inclusive, where, where the conversations and the learning can happen across the organization. So, you know, that's why the book really talks about how you create a culture. What are the mechanics? You know, how do you mature? How do you take things to market and measure? It's an actual uh, workflow and it's a different workflow than you would see in today's companies. So, that's really what motivated me is that the companies that are continually behaving in that way are probably going out of business as we continue to develop new technologies and the digital economy continues to grow. Very good point. Very
0: good point. This this, this economy is changing. And I, I like in the book where you, you point out the different eras that have uh, evolved in, in terms of the industrial revolution all the way through the, the digital revolution that we're in now. Um, so there will be people who are left behind. There will be organizations who are left behind if they don't adapt. And, and you're right. We come in and bring something to them that Sometimes they don't want it. They, this is too different, and they may push back against it. But you know, I mean, we're, we're not trying to sell you something. We're really trying to save you from what's happening because we see it. You know, we, yeah. we we see the changes that are happening and being able to to come in and put something in place that helps an organization to get through this uh, tough economy is, is paramount. And it's really necessary in this environment. Now, there's a lot of other methods that are out there, and a lot of other companies that say, well, We have a better mousetrap of, of doing this. You know, it's all these different frameworks and methods. How does the DigOps model compare or contrast to other transformation frameworks that are available today?
1: Yeah, so the DigOps model doesn't care about frameworks, it really just cares about how you run your organization to really create a learning organization. So how do we help learn from each other? How do we get executives talking to developers so that they can understand the the products that they're actually producing and selling in the environment? Um, When I worked at a very high-end retailer, they were going through this where they were saying, oh, are we a company that happens to leverage technology? Are we actually a digital company that happens to sell shoes?" And, you know, it kind of changes the way you look at things and the, the digital operations model helps organizations understand how to restructure and strategically position themselves to leverage the digital economy. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where I, I guarantee you some of the places I worked recently, they went from selling insurance products on pieces of paper and they're really struggling from 1950 to now. Why is it now so expensive? because you're competing in a whole different market. And the way that you operate as an organization does not support selling in that market. You can't adapt to things. You can't learn because you're, you're not listening to people. You know? and, and that's not easy to do. And I, I found the gap in the industry was, basically, the book's basically a step-by-step. If you do these things, and these are the disciplines, and these are the capabilities, if you do these things, here's how you implement them. You will be able to move to a digital operating model and be more competitive in today's digital economy.
0: Love it, sir. So one of the things I like that you did—I've read through the book and and went through the different modules that you have—is that you incorporate some some thoughtful touches like color into mm-hmm. the book. Most books decide it, and having published myself, I know this—it's it's very expensive to do the typesetting and, and color and all that, but it makes such a difference for, for people and their ability to grasp the information, to I guess not get bored because you see some images and things that, are of, that, that have color in them. And um, I, I just like the human aspect that's mm-hmm. embedded into the book because it, it makes it more easy to understand because it is complex information. Mm-hmm. I think you did a really good job of, of uh, explaining how these dynamics work and how people can leverage it.
1: Thank you, yeah. And it is complex and but that we need to embrace the fact that we're working in a complex environment now. So yeah. it's not as easy as just change this one thing on this machine and everything's gonna be okay. <laughs> Definitely. Let's
0: look to the future and You know, look at what is the future for Terry? What's next for you? What are some things that you're exploring? How are you staying relevant in today's changing marketplace? Where are things going?
1: There's a few things. So just recently, maybe in the last year, I got back to basics and thought, you know what? I don't want to run a company. I I don't thrive on marketing. I don't thrive on sales. I don't even feel genuine sometimes when I have to do that stuff. So what I've done is... Powers has gone back to be completely a think tank, 100%. We've engaged a licensing company that manages all the other things. And so what we're doing now is just reinvesting anything that we make from licensing back into developing more products, back into developing more services. So that's kind of um, been really freeing because I got to do the things that I like to do. I I was at a point where I was kind of like, I guess I'm going to go learn marketing. I'm like, "Mm, I'm not sure that's going to get me up in the morning. So I figured out a way to get around that. The other thing is doing a lot more thought leadership, um, sharing a lot more with people like yourself. And finally, I'm actually working on my MBA, which i kind of embarrassed to say I never got before. But my next thing is to work on a PhD so that I can help people working in, in MBA programs and undergraduate business administration programs really understand the digital economy. So I want to give back as much as I can. Um, you know, I'd love to do some more. I'm very concerned. That people are losing jobs to technology, to innovations. I would love to partner with with a company that could help people like I've done in the past to Understand that you can pivot. Um, there's so many people that see IT and technology as a barrier, and it's not like anybody with any personality type can find a job in technology. We've just created these personas that people have believed in for so long. So I guess you know that's where I want to be relevant is the human spirit to make sure that we make this accessible to people. As the need for technical workers grows, we need to make sure that we're helping people get there. That makes sense. That makes that makes a lot of sense.
0: So you have some things that are out there, and you mentioned that, that Powers is now more of a, a think tank. Um, how can folks get in touch with you? And you know, where, where is a place where people can reach out and get more information or even get involved?
1: Yep, sure. Uh, our website, powers, P-O-W-E-R-S-D-S, standing for digital solutions.com is the best way there's there's con- you can there's all every page has contact us um love to have more collaborators love to think um that's that's the fun love to try things out we're so lucky we have so many organizations that are willing to let us experiment and try new things so um yeah looking forward to getting more people involved and and hearing other people's ideas
0: awesome awesome and the book where can people find the book where is it for sale where can people pick up a copy?
1: The easiest way to do it is to go to the website and click on our books. And there's two books on that website. Um, and you can click on the link there and it'll take you straight to it in Amazon. That's it, the fastest and easiest way. This has been great. It's
0: been a great conversation with you. Tara, will you come back and speak with us again? I'm interested to learn more about the, the Think Tank and to see where Power's Digital Solution goes from here.
1: Absolutely. You know I like talking to
0: you, Ray. Of course, of course. As always, thank you for joining us. I hope this conversation inspired you. If it did, hit the subscribe button. Share this with your network and the people who think just like you do. Together, we will build the tribe of the future. I'm D. Ray Freeman.